Hey there, welcome to episode 10 of the Better With Running podcast. I'm Zach Newman, coach and runner with Run to PV, here for another episode to chat all things running. And with me, my co-host is uh, Mattress Davey, who just yesterday took another step towards the Masters category. Well done, uh, Matty, and happy birthday. Yeah, thanks, Ace, mate. Great to be back. And yeah, I was uh, 37 years young yesterday, so <laughs> still got a bit to catch you. But um, yeah, no, I had a good day and, and yeah, it's good to get a good to get an early morning run in and be able to then celebrate with some burgers and a nice drop of red and um, yeah, some, some chips and stuff like that and yeah, nice. make the most of it. Yeah. yeah, I didn't really, wasn't really too keen on getting out to a um, restaurant just yet. Still yeah. a little bit cautious there, but um, yeah, just the takeaway burger went down a treat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think I'm in the same boat at the moment. I probably just don't really want to venture into the restaurants just quite yet. But um, yeah, at least you can still enjoy a burger and a, and a drop of a, a vino. Yep, absolutely. and a bit of ice cream too, even polish that off, so... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Triple threat. Living the threat Triple now. threat. Yeah. <laughs> How's the training been going, actually? You've been, you've been racking up the Ks? Yeah, so that's why I, I, I made sure I put a double in after uh, all the uh, burgers and, uh, and ice cream yesterday. So, yeah, no, yeah, up to about 140, 130, 140 Ks. Um, just trying to really work on that aerobic base. And, yeah, no, body's... Um, get some niggles every now and again, but they seem to be clearing okay. So I'm, uh, yeah, happy with the progress at the moment. Just, what about you? How's- that's the old age kicking in, mate. It gets, uh, gets more, even more fun and when you get a few more years on. Oh, absolutely. Well, I've gone back to just <laughs> two sessions a week because I, I feel like my bodies would struggle with the three sessions. Mm. Um, yeah, and, and it's just allowed me to gradually build the mileage and I'm enjoying it too, like enjoying the running, enjoying having one less day where I have to uh, get out and run hard. So, and just, yeah, yeah just, uh, yeah, just ticking the legs over. And, and the weather hasn't been, it's been chilly, but it's been, been okay to get out for a run. Um, nothing really to complain about there in, uh, down in uh, God's country. <laughs> yeah, it's been some nice clear nights. And, uh, it, yeah, it's, you know, as long as the rain stays away, I'm a happy camper. You know what I'm like with the rain. Yeah. <laughs> gloves, red gloves and <laughs> tights. and <laughs> long sleeves, top, beanie, everything. <laughs> yeah, you'd think I'd be going to the snow most of the time. But anyway. <laughs> well, how's, your, um, how's your training week been? It's been good, mate. I've been back. I had a pretty interrupted week last week. Just um, training-wise, I, I was moving, so um was just working on the guns, lifting a few boxes and, uh, yeah. Shows. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, all that sort of fun stuff. Got that done and yeah, I, I just ran, ran sort of when I could last week, but now I've been able to get back into some more, more structure and, uh, actually got a call up from, uh, from Maddie Hill, uh, Maddie Heiner, who, um, she's obviously a run PB coach, but, um, I've trained with her, a lot over the last few years and, and sort of been a bit of a training hack and yeah she <laughs> little did she know i'd had had a pretty light week so um i was like oh gee this could be interesting but um yeah went along and uh, went down to the tan again and pumped out a few 1k reps and uh, yeah tried to get my my big frame out in front and block the wind <laughs> yeah and were you able to 
Or did she, uh, did she try to, did she sit and kick or? <laughs> no, she was well behaved. I think she was going easy on me, but um, <laughs> no, we, it was good fun. Um, just getting back out there and being in training groups again. It's, it's really fun and seeing more people out there active and uh, yeah, just, yeah, I actually chucked on the, um, the Ciccone Endorphin Pros that, um, you know, I was lucky to get my hands on and um, Sammy the shoe dog, he'd be frothing when he's, um, I've seen him a couple of photos. I know he's, um, he's pretty excited to get these ones. I think they're releasing in um, mid-June and yeah, took them for a spin and yeah, it's, it's as you know, Matty, it's, it's different when, you, um, when you're kind of doing a job for someone and you um, take mm. the, the kind of focus off yourself and your own session. You've got a, um, a task at hand and, you know, I was mm. instructed at paces to go from, from a coach, Craig Mottram, and just, um, yeah, jumped on the front and um, I think I got the job done. But, um, yeah, I mean, you've, you've been there before, Matt. You've done a, um, you've done a lot of training with, um, with someone in the past, um, Sarah Jamison, who, for those that don't recognise her name from um, yesteryear, I guess um, she was, Sarah was, was a triple Olympian. Commonwealth Games, silver medalist. Um, she actually was the previous Australian record holder over the 1,500. Uh, what else did she run before, Matt, uh, Matty? Some uh, EVs. Um, 15. Yeah. Yeah, 15 low. That was at, um, that was at Com Games, actually. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I remember watching that night. And, yeah, she just... She was just, yeah, tough as nails in that run. Um, I think it was a big PB for her. Um, yeah, just and and you could see through her her training. Um, she would just yeah could grind it out and yeah it was that was I was pretty ecstatic that night watching that race <laughs> and seeing the seeing what she did. Yeah, and so you you spent time with her just like you went overseas, didn't you? You went to yeah stint overseas. What was how did that all go? Yeah, yeah, it did actually. I was yeah pretty fortunate. Um, how all that came about. So it was back in 2005 and she was coming off the back of um, the Olympics in, in 2004. And I um, went up with uh, Bruce Scriven's uh, group um, up to Falls Creek and did a bit of training up there and, and stayed with them. And, and, and Jammo at the time was getting coached by Scrivo and um, yeah, sort of got on really well and um, helped her out in a, in a couple of sessions and, she towed me up most of the time. Um, and then, then uh, yeah, she was heading over to Europe because she'd qualified for the world championships in um, do run in Helsinki that year. Uh, and she, her, she had a plan of, um, of uh, bringing over a guy just sort of come out of year 12, Michael Keenan. Um, but unfortunately, about a week or two, I think it was, before... Um, they were planned to leave. He got an Achilles injury and he wasn't able to run. Um, so yeah, then sort of I got the late call up and asked if I was keen and I'd, um, I was on uni break. I was heading into uni break and, and I, I spoke to uni about it and they were all happy with me to head over for about three months. I think it was, um, luckily enough, I didn't have any exams cause I was doing a teaching degree at the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, met, so I think Jamo, um, she ran the Leonora gift um, and won that. And I think, yeah, took away a, a good uh, bit of the folding stuff and um, 
and a, and a gold nugget. And then, yeah, I met her um, in Singapore and then, yeah, flew on to, to Dublin and where we were going to be based. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. For about three weeks. And so, yeah, we went to Dublin and then we went out to um, the, the Hackett's family. Um, they're, uh, they live out in Dublin. He was actually, um, he um, was the coach of the Irish team. How they, they have the, um, the Irish versus Australian football. Oh games. yeah. 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 He was the coach one of those years. And yeah, so we ended up staying with, with him and his, his family there. Um, and that's where we based. And it was just an amazing place. It was called Selbridge. Um, yeah. It was just down the road from where uh, Ryanair, there I am. Um, yeah, I know Ryanair, yeah. Cheap flights. Yeah, <laughs> cheap flights, yeah, yeah. Like Mr. Ryanair lived down the road and uh, yeah, it was this, this uh, massive house. And yeah, it was perfect because it had uh, just around Europe, you've got all the canals. So it was quite good access to the canals for our easy runs. And, mm. and, um, and then we also had um, the Curra, which is the horse racing track. But that was maybe, I don't know, an hour, 45 minutes. And we did, a, did our long runs around there. And it was basically just like typical, what you just sort of expect mm. of an Irish countryside where you've just got rolling paddocks. And so we did our long runs around these rolling paddocks. I don't know how Jamo found this <laughs> loop, but we do every Sunday. We'd wow. knock out sort of around 90 minutes over these paddocks and just have sheep just chasing you around the paddocks. <laughs> A bit different um, to um, where you were, you were coming over from being down on the peninsula. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, I, <laughs> I was. I was living down in down in, uh, yeah, just in the in Frankston. Yeah, it was quite a different scenery there. Yeah. But um, yeah, so that was a so we basically um, set up camp there for yeah the the three months. So um, now at the time though, um, so Jamo was. Um, she needed because she she had this ability to just push her body so hard, mm. but because in doing that she just needed a lot of treatment, so a lot of massage um, and physio work, and, and we just couldn't get in to see um, these anybody. Well, we saw one guy. He was this massive built guy. We walked into the get a massage, <laughs> thought, oh, this guy is going to uh, this is going to be painful, and man, it nearly put me to sleep. <laughs> 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 yeah, well. But anyway, so yeah, we couldn't organise these massage, and, it, and uh, eventually, um, yeah, Jamo's calf gave in, and oh, shit. Um, so yeah, unfortunately, she had to have about 10, 10 days off. Um, yeah, it was a pretty tense time because she was going into her first ever world championships. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she was. She basically when we got there, she towed me up in a modified leg, like she was in good nick, <laughs> and then after those 10 days off and she, she jogged around for a bit and then tried to get back into it. And I towed her up. But, <laughs> well, I kind of <laughs> held back because I felt bad because I was meant to be training with her and yeah. she was leading to the world champs. But then I knew she'd, she'd lost a bit of fitness there and she lost a bit of confidence and unfortunately I had to pull the pin um, on the world champs. But um, yeah, it was great fun going around um, and helping to pace her at the track and yeah, spending time on the long runs and, and mm. then hit the gyms and yeah, she, she had um, some basically just told me what to do in the gym, which was like, we did the same thing. She'd written the programs and yeah, that were some crazy gym sessions that she'd be able to pump out like, man, 
no wonder this. No wonder she's <laughs> running low four minutes for a fifteen hundred. And yeah. And, uh, so you obviously learn a lot. I mean, it, it's that role of a training partner and um, being there both as a um, on the track and then also being a support um, mm. you know, pillar of support when you know things go off the rails as they do as an athlete when you you know you get injured and you have to work through it and I guess you have to um, you know go on those those easy runs where maybe things are you know not you know the athletes not in a great place and you, you kind of have to be there as well so it's riding the, the highs and the lows I guess there's a real art to the to being the perfect training partner or being a oh, training partner. it is that's right and yeah you, you got to be able to get along with someone like you can't um, yeah, yeah. Be, yeah. be, you've got to be friends as well because of, you know you, yeah. you live in out of the suitcase for um for a few months and yeah so it's not only being able to help with the pacing on the track but it's also yeah the, the other side where you know because when you're training you know you might be i don't know let's say two hours a day and you know you've just got the sleep time but then you've got um such so much other time downtime that you've got to try to occupy yourselves and you're in a foreign country and yeah so you've got to be able to gel and and it's um yeah was lucky enough to to get that opportunity and they've got to look issue and then um it was at the com games i was thinking might have been on there it was on the last night and she said that she had a trip planned to go to america for um for a month and if i'd like to go over and and help pace again so then in 2006, got to go over and, um, yeah, spend a month um, in Arkansas and, yeah. Bit of a thin air. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, interesting, interest, interesting um, experiences there. Um, just a different culture with, like, the, uh, so I remember we were, oh, actually, Jammo was off, off on a race and I'd, I was doing a tempo run and um, Erica uh, Fountain, was that's where we were staying with um and she drove me out to where they do these along this dirt road and and then yeah i went out and came back and when i come back and um erica was standing there with this um sort of uh country farmer guy and he had this gun and i'm like wow. man what's going on is everything okay and he's like yeah yeah i'm just just shooting me gun into the river do you want to go <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> well, well, it was just, a, yeah, just such a different experience. But, um, yeah, no. Training in America, Jammo, hey? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Yeah, only in America. Yeah, but training with Jammo, like, so, learnt so much about, um, like, the professionalism um, and the dedication that she had for um, for the sport. And, like, she, like, it, it was a job for her. And, like, yeah, she took it as, as she did it so seriously in order to get as good as she got like yeah she, she that work ethic that she had yeah it was um yeah something that i learned an experience that yeah i'll never forget and, and learned a lot from yeah it's obviously something you've been able to take with you in your own running now your own coaching as well and um yep. yeah i think we all learn a lot from being around all athletes whatever level mm -hmm. they're at but um yeah oh, that, that's a unique opportunity that you had Actually, um, yep. following on, like sort of and a bit of a segue into that is that um, we, Andy Buchanan, one of the coaches and we was a previous guest, um, he 
he actually coaches an athlete up his way. Um, you know, Luke Millard, uh, Milko, he's affectionately known as up that way. Um, and yeah, and, and as you know, Matt, there's a, um, a bit of a, a run to BB crew up in Bendigo and, um, and these guys get to train together as well. So obviously Andy coaches him online, but he's in the, um, in the position where they can actually go out and do Sunday runs together as, as kind of training partners. And yeah, it's, um, it's a pretty cool setup for, for both of them. And um, Matt, I got, um, I got the two together to have a chat um, because we've had some last few episodes, we've had a few coach and uh, athlete chats and they've been getting really good feedback. So um, yeah, I think this one that uh, is, is really interesting to hear these guys chat about what they're up to. Yeah, absolutely. Really keen to hear, um, hear the chat between these two guys and yeah, let's, let's cut to it. Alrighty, we are joined on the Better With Running podcast uh, with, uh, I'm Andy Buchanan, one of the coaches, and I'm going to sit down and have a chat with one of my athletes, uh, Luke Milko Millard. So welcome to the podcast, Luke. Thanks, Andy. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, it's good to first have time you. I've been on a podcast. Yeah, it's the first time for everything, hey? During these <laughs> times, it's uh, a little bit different. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be good to have you on and um, yeah, have a bit of a chat about uh, your your running background and what kind of uh, brought you to run to PB. Um, so I suppose the first question I have for you is, uh, what's, what's your motivation to run? Uh, and then how did you get involved with running? Uh, probably my motivation to run is I like to keep fit and active. So it covers, covers both bases there, I guess. And I think probably the social side of it's really good as well. You can get the exercise in and get out and have a run with a group of mates and have a bit of a laugh and that sort of thing. I think we've got a pretty good crew in Bendigo where we really enjoy each other's company. So that's a big plus. And I really like the uh, effort for reward part of it. I guess the harder you work, the better you seem to get. So yeah, if you know you're putting in the hours and putting in the hard work, you tend to get the results, So, which I really like about it. Yeah, exactly. Because you and, come from uh, more of a team sports um, background, didn't you? Kind of growing up as a kid and through yeah, your um, teenage years. Yeah, I didn't come through your athletics program, I guess. Like I played a lot of footy and a lot of cricket and those type of sports. So, yeah, probably finished up playing cricket maybe two or three years ago. And that's when I sort of turned to running. So, yeah, I always enjoyed running growing up, I guess. But, yeah with footy and with cricket and that sort of thing, I guess a run was more, let's go for a two or three K rather than let's get out on a Sunday for 20. So I don't think I really enjoyed the long distance side of it when I was younger, but yeah, that's definitely changed in the last couple of years. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Um, and you've probably been with run to PB for probably pretty close to a year now, do you reckon? Um, yeah, I think, it, yeah, it was yeah, sort of leading into Gold Coast last year where we sort of had a chat about it and you'd probably been helping me out a little bit before that with a few sessions and with a few yeah. of the other guys in Bendigo. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so prior to joining, um, you were following a bit more of a generic training plan. Um, what what made you kind of go, oh, hang on, I want to get a, a personal coach and that, like step us through what that kind of looked like. Yeah, it probably ties back into how I got into running as well. Like I'd, I'd been doing a little bit of personal training and then it come up, had the opportunity to go up to the city to surf with a couple of mates and 
it was more so just to have a weekend away rather than do a fun run. So we went up there and did that and thought, oh, yeah, that was good. It'd be sort of good to do a bit more work and put in the hours and a bit of training. And from there, it was a similar time where I started doing a bit of work in Melbourne as well. So sort of staying down there and nights and looking for things to do and going for a jog around the town and that sort of thing and met up with a group down there. And from there, that sort of got me started that, I guess as I took it more serious and then to jump on board with you guys, it gave the opportunity, I guess, to get more of a personalized program, which was specific to me. We'd already been running together a bit. So you sort of knew where I was coming from and knew what I could handle and what sort of speeds and that sort of thing were fitting for my session. So that sort of it worked really well. And I guess knowing coming on board with a quality runner like yourself, I knew you'd be a good coach as well. So yeah, I've definitely seen the benefits of that. And then I think the run to PV community is really starting to grow as well. So it's nice to be involved in that side of it. Yeah, I suppose you are you kind of get the best of both worlds uh, in that you, like you're, you're part of that run to, P, run to PV community. Um, and But then you also, like we run uh, probably during normal times, like three or four times a week. Um, and we actually do our sessions together, uh, do our long runs together and all that. So you kind of, um, while it's, it is online coaching, there's kind of, uh, you're pretty lucky in that we, we see each other a fair bit and can chat about uh, how sessions felt. And um, yeah, like yesterday, I kind of warmed up with you and then did the session with you. So I suppose you, you're pretty lucky um, in that you kind of get the best of both worlds um, through that, which is, which is pretty good um, and kind of helps. Yeah, definitely helps that coach-athlete relationship a bit. Yeah, look, I'm really lucky, I guess, in that regard. Like, yeah, we can have a chat about a session while we're doing a warm-up. And there's been a couple of times where you've jumped in and paced me, which has been a massive advantage, I guess. So, mm. yeah, it's definitely good having that one-on-one time with you and, yeah, that quality relationship, I guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, now, you had, a, you had a very impressive uh, PB streak going. Uh, and I think it was a very, it was a very hot night that ruined the streak for you um, when you did that on the track. We, we had put yeah. it in, we're kind of like, oh yeah, let's just stick to it. Let's not be too fast. And uh, if we didn't yeah. do that, I think the streak would, would still be alive. <laughs> the streak um, would be still going. Yeah, so I was started to break that streak. <laughs> yeah. How how many? Can you remember exactly how many races you had this streak going for? Yeah, it's probably one another one of the benefits of uh, run to PB. Actually, I think when I started, it was I was leading into a half marathon prep, and I think we it was about six in a row, I think, and then we were building up for a five k, and we thought, oh, we'll do this three k, just as a little bit of a lead in, and yeah, yeah. that was uh, yeah, the streak come to a hold, unfortunately, and yeah. yeah, I wasn't that fussed about my time that night, but I was just a little bit disappointed to uh, break our streak <laughs> yeah that's right because you were uh you were gearing up for melbourne uni 5k i'm pretty sure um and yeah just, that's right just a nice little hit out along the way um but yeah. that's the thing like i think the most impressive thing was you were running pbs from half marathon to 10k to 5k to 3k and um yeah you just kind of just got on a roll and just kind of kept knocking out all these pbs which um yeah, it was really impressive, I think. And uh, it, was, it was a bit disappointing to see it come to an end. But um, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, it'd be nice if that streak was still going. Yeah, you, you can't complain with uh, with six PBs in a row, I suppose. Um, I suppose we're, we're living up to the name a little bit there, which is good. Um, yeah, that's, that's right. And, and another good thing that uh, Run to PB have been doing lately is um, doing a few kind of virtual races. Um, and I think they've, uh, the guys have got the right balance where you don't, you don't want to have a race every week. But um, last weekend we had a bit of the, uh, it was the local hot lap, which I think was a really good concept because no matter where you were, um, there's, there's always a, a loop um, in every city that people kind of um, rave about. And um, yeah. you guys got a, it's a new loop um, and it's been made quite famous by one person here in Bendigo. Um, so do you want to talk us a, talk us through kind of what you were planning on doing for that um, hot lap and then what you ended up doing and tell us a little bit about what you did. Um, yeah. So yeah, the hot lap, I hadn't really given it a lot of thought and we, we spoke about it on the Thursday night, I think. And I said, Oh, there's a loop, a local lap that I could probably do around here where I live, which is going to be close to three K. We sort of said, Oh yeah, that could work. And then I think you messaged me on the Friday and said, yourself and Cookie were going to have a hit out at the wedge. Does that interest you? And I thought, oh, well, yeah, that'd be good having you guys pace me, I guess. So, yeah, we moved it to the wedge in Bendigo, which is also known as the Beast's Wedge. So that was a, a good hit out. And the, the loop there's about 2.7K, I think. Yep. So I guess the thinking was, yeah, if we just do the extra 300, we can make it a 3K loop. And I hadn't hit a 3K PB for a while. So, yeah, that ended up being a hot lap. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it was really handy having you guys pace me through I guess and I hadn't given it a lot of thought and I think that really helped going into the run like I sat on you guys for the first k and sort of relaxed and didn't focus on the watch too much and then sort of had a bit of a look at probably at the 2k mark and thought oh yeah this is uh this is where I want to be I'd never broken 10 minutes for a 3k before so yeah worked hard on the last k and Ended up coming in at 9.55. So, yeah, it was nice to sneak under that 10-minute barrier for the first time. Yeah, exactly. It was, um, it was pretty impressive, actually. And I, like, I know that I personally, I'm, I'm not great at remembering everyone's PBs. Um, and I remember messaging going, oh, what is, when I was trying to think if this would work, I was like, oh, what is your PB? And I thought it was going to be a little bit quicker than what it, what it was. Um, and yeah. I was thinking, oh, maybe that's why it will work well if you um, jump in with Cookie and I. And I thought, oh, might be a bit quick, but like, I kind of thought, well, what do we got to lose? Um, and it was quite good. I think you, you come in with like not really strong expectations and that kind of, oh, if this doesn't go to plan, it's not the end of the world. Um, and probably didn't yeah. have those, have those barriers that you are, that, um, runners are often faced with in going hey this is the fastest i've ever ran before so i should this should be hurting whereas i think you um you didn't have those barriers at all because you were just kind of like ah yeah well this hasn't been planned like it's not like we've been working for three months for this and come in and just kind of smashed it out and uh i i remember seeing as we as cookie and i kept going around the wedge um i remember seeing you as we ran past and i kind of yelled out oh how'd you go and you (laughs) yelled out like nine 55 and I like yeah did a fair bit of fist yeah. pumping as I was continuing along so um yeah we're both pretty happy with that but yeah definitely not having that expectation where you know you're chasing your time and even on the Friday I think I sort of said to you, you know if I can 
sort of go around the low 10 minute mark and you said to me no I think you can run a bit quicker than that like why don't you jump in with us and see how you go and mm. so that sort of changed the mindset a little bit going into it I thought yeah if I can sort of hang on to you guys for the first k and a little bit more and I think I was probably only fell away a little bit in that first k and then as you guys were getting away you were doing your session which was obviously always going to be quicker but I sort of knew I was maintaining the pace we're at so yeah it worked out really well yeah well as uh as benny and i like to call it getting stupider uh, <laughs> i think you're well, well on the way which is good um yeah was, right. it was really i don't know like i uh, anyone that's running pbs at the moment i just think it's uh it's so impressive like i would not get anywhere near any of my pbs at the moment um <laughs> without that kind of getting G'd up for a race. So um, credit yeah. to you and credit to everyone else out there who's um, who's managing to, uh, yeah, run these PBs during this uh, pretty uncertain time. But Yeah, thank you. It's, yeah. Uh, I guess for me, it's probably, that's why I enjoy running, I guess, as well. Like you're not ever running in a race for first like you guys are. So I guess for me, if, yeah, you can tick off a PB along the way, then, yeah, it's an added bonus. So. Yeah, it's funny that because I I often think like where like where does the where does the motivation come um like for you like my my motivation might be like if it, if it was XCR races would be like oh yeah I want to I want to try and win it um whereas obviously your motivation is very different um and I suppose it just comes back to being the best you can be um and that's kind of how you um you put it which is probably a little bit different to me so it's um yeah i think it's always it's good and it's good that uh i get to kind of work with you guys and it's um that it's not just all about winning races and that's not how success is always defined so i think that's um it's really good yeah that's right um bit of a tough question here because the future is very uncertain but uh what are some of your running goals for the future um, I think my big one this year was going to run a half marathon under 80 minutes and we were sort of targeting the Gold Coast for that. But obviously, that's not going ahead now. But mm. I think we'll, we'll probably still try and build our training program around that sort of build-up, I guess. So when a race does come up, if there's something later in the year, we'll be in good shape for that. But How, how do you yeah, I think um, go doing a half marathon around the wedge? <laughs> have a few laps in that i guess <laughs> it would be it would be i can cookie would be keen definitely he'll pace you yeah he might be able to pace me so we might be on for a sub 80 later in here maybe but yeah that was one of my big goals and then i think another one this year was uh the benny go bats whether we can uh yep. move uh, the team up from div one or div two up to div one and then i know i usually run in div four so if we can move up from div four to div three that was going to be another one but probably unlikely that season goes ahead now too so yeah but few goals are changing i guess but yeah good job on mentioning the bats though it's good um, <laughs> but no that's, that's i right. think that's, that just showcases the uh the value of xcr like even though you you're like kind of right on that fringe where you're probably the better or the best runner in the div four team and knocking on the door of the div two team but um you guys are kind of fighting hard in that div four to try and get promoted up to as high as you can. So I think that shows the value of that XER um, races that it's not just all about the top, the top guys in the team, um, which is really pleasing. Yeah. I really enjoy the, the uh, team concept of XCR, I guess 
growing up playing a lot of cricket and footy and that team base. So I think, you know, a lot of people sometimes say running's an individual sport, but I don't really see it that way at all. Like mm. we all train together in a group and everyone gets along really well and everyone's mates. So you definitely get that team side of it, which is good. Yeah, and that's the thing, like in like we both live in Bendigo and there's not there's not a lot of runners here. Like our training group isn't anywhere the size of some of the training groups in Melbourne and that kind of stuff. But I think the one thing we do well is we kind of um everyone bonds together and everyone comes from like quite different walks of life. So I think the group's quite unique in that yeah. that um everyone really enjoys it and we we do try and make it a quite a social um side and it doesn't it doesn't matter if you're running um 30 minutes or 40 minutes for 10k like i think you're pretty well accepted into the group um here in Bendigo. Yeah. i'm sure there's a lot of other running groups like that and i think that's one of the good things about um about runners is they just seem so accepting compared to maybe some other sports yeah that's right and probably when i first got involved that definitely helped once i started meeting a few of the guys particularly in our sunday group we've got a really good crew and then started to get to know you guys a bit better that definitely helped i think yeah. when i first started like the sundays can be a bit of a drag you know if you've been out for a few beers with mates the night before and that sort of thing but now i guess sunday runs are something you really look forward to so yeah yeah i think i think a lot of runners would agree that that's their favorite favorite run of the week um but <laughs> Yeah. yeah especially when you get to go on good adventures like you did this morning yeah i think there's a few uh trail runners that listen to this podcast and i certainly got a bit of a taste for their world today and hats off to them some of our climbs today so that to come to a walk that were that steep and rocky so <laughs> they definitely do a good job and how they get down some of those descents they certainly fly down those which i could never do so hats yeah. off to them yeah, it's uh it's a different type of running, isn't it? It's pretty, it's pretty yeah, impressive. You, sure. don't, you don't realise until you kind of take half a step into their world as to how hard some of those technical trails can be. Um, yeah, but it was good fun today. It's probably one of the bonuses at the moment with no races and that on. You can get out and do a few things that you wouldn't normally do. And yeah, all yeah. the guys really enjoyed it today. So we had good fun. Yeah, exactly. A bit, a bit more time to explore, which is good. And once again, another perfect segue for my last question. Um, how has COVID-19 improved you as a runner, do you think? Ooh, has it improved um, you? Is there anything you can take out of this time? Um, that yeah, it's, oh, that's going to make me better or it's changed something? Yeah, I think for me, I guess I know I don't need races to still enjoy running like with the hot lap. You know, you can still run a PB. So that side of it's really good and I still really enjoy doing sessions and doing them well. So I guess, you know, your, your fitness is going well, if your sessions are going well. So mm. yeah, yeah, that's why it's been good. So yeah, it's yeah. like, it's still a good way to enjoy running without necessarily needing the races there to train for them, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's uh, like so many of our, of the runners that sign up to run to PB sign up with a, with a goal of like in 10 weeks, I want to try and run, um a pb over 10k or a half marathon or whatever it is so um i think it's i think it's important that uh and i think a lot of people have realized over the last few months that they actually enjoy the um the actual running part and they also they they still enjoy the chasing the pb and working hard but they actually enjoy the work not just the result yeah. um which i think will i think it will help everyone be a lot more sustainable um in the sport and they'll keep doing it once they 
maybe once they get over the hill and their times start to slow down, they'll still actually enjoy running for what it is. Um, yeah, so that's yeah. And I think we've um, we've probably been pretty lucky too with running, where you look at a lot of other sports that are starting to see a few footy seasons cancelled and that sort of thing, or mm-hmm. netballs on hold and. You know, who knows what's going forward, but there's definitely a lot of other sports that have been affected. Gyms have been closed, so mm. definitely been a lot of runners out and about in the last month or two, which has been good to see. Yeah, there has been. It'll be um, it'll be quite interesting to see how how that shapes and how that um, if it changes once once team sports are back training, will these um, will these runners keep running? Um, yeah, I, I know. Like I know, I've had uh, probably. 10 or 20 local footy players that have just joined Strava and they've started following me and I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. Um, so yeah, it's, I don't know. It's, it is interesting that there's like the trails have been, just seemed so busy and uh, like where we train at the lake has been really busy yeah, that's with, right. with more people out exercising. So I'm not hopeful. Yep. Yeah. So. Habits up, but yeah, it's definitely been one of the benefits of COVID, I guess, seeing more people out and about, which is good. So, yeah, yeah. And I guess COVID's put everything into perspective as well. Like Australia's pretty lucky if you look at a few of the other countries around the world. So, yeah, yeah. things uh, things could be a lot worse, I guess. A hundred percent. We are very lucky here. But um, lovely. I think that's, that's all the questions I have. Um, but, um, yeah, from me and all the other guys at, run to PB. Um, thanks for coming on and sharing uh, like your story, uh, which I think, I know, I think a lot of people will get um, something out of and especially hearing about that, uh, that PB streak that you had rolling. Um, and I suppose it's back on now because your last, um, your last few races have been people, well, not races, but time trials, I'll call them time have trials. Been, yeah. Have been PBs. Um, yep. Because what was, was it a 20 second PB that you did around? For the hot lap, or yeah, how, was that? Yeah, it was. I think I was previous was ten twenty, so yeah, twenty five second PB with a hot lap, and then I think the five k a couple of weeks before that was a two or three second PB as well. So yeah, yeah. probably a shout out to you for that one for pacing me through it. It was definitely <laughs> a big help, that's for sure. <laughs> I was I was coming back from an injury, so it actually worked quite well for me as well. I was uh, working a little bit harder than probably what I was showing, but uh, no, nah, it was good fun, and I I enjoyed being able to help you out um because yeah it's i know it's just it's just good to be um yeah to help help people out like that so but uh, thanks for andy and thanks for having me guys no nah, thanks for thanks for coming on milko it's been good all right mate i'll see you during the week thanks always great to hear from uh coaches and athletes and and what a balance they have and a real um advantage being able to be so located yeah so close to each other and um, yeah, jumping into Sunday runs and yeah, that Indigo has really developed into a, a real sort of running hub in, in Victoria, I guess in Australia, because you know, it's taking on the likes of Ballarat and yeah, it's, um, it's really evolving and, and Andy and Luke are um, yeah, really driving it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bendigo seems to be yeah, becoming the, the mecca for uh, some distance running. Yeah. Seeing some of the, the, the um the places they run around and the facilities that they got and I remember talking then when I interviewed Andy and he asked the question or posed the posed the um the rumor that the AOS should uh should should move from Canberra over to Bendigo and I think he was yeah pretty excited about that 
but um, <laughs> I think um, yeah, yes, yeah, still getting to uh, keep listening to those chats and and the the stories um, being shared by um, some of our coaches interviewing our athletes. And um, I think you can learn a lot from hearing um, the way they interact as well. And yeah, both as, you know, coaches and athletes. And um, yeah, it's, it's sort of great to to be able to hear that. Yep. And yeah, speaking of um, where um, earlier when we were talking about our training partners, yeah, a little while ago uh, during the COVID lockdown, you managed to catch up with one of your training partners, uh, Zaka. Um, and this is back when we were solo running. Uh, and you took the time to, to interview one of one of those um, very well-known uh, runners around the uh, XCR scene, Frankie Conway. Yeah, Frankie. Um, yeah, you're right. It was during COVID lockdown back, um, geez, it would have been um, late March, early April when, um, yeah, restrictions were pretty heavy restrictions in Australia and Melbourne were in place. So we'd been stripped back to running solo and um, obviously missed my runs with Frankie and we, we jumped on a call and um, just we, we went through the journey of, um, I mean, Frankie's, uh, Frankie's come to Australia recently, joined the Melbourne Uni athletics club which i'm a member at um and yeah it's um i think it's a really good example of just how running can bring two people together just just to be connected the fact that um we just met because um you know he he through a mutual friend was um yeah told to come down to a training session and yeah become um yeah really great mates with frankie and um he's just you know involved himself in the australian running culture um his love for sport uh you know shines through in this interview he's just you know and i guess it's um i think it was frankie i mean he's a sporting nut like he you, you've been on a few runs with him uh mattress and you know he gets mm. going about his tennis and um and any sport <laughs> golf. <laughs> um i mean shit, he, he's even got a reputation of um his commentary skills he actually did some commentary for like the tennis at wimbledon um snooker darts back in europe like <laughs> so yeah there wasn't a it wasn't an issue with him getting on the on the uh on the microphone uh, no, I bet, yeah better would have been um yeah very excited about this and i'm, I'm really looking forward to to hearing this one and uh, yeah, speaking of darts i know he's a he's a damn good dart player too yeah i think he took a fair bit of money away uh up at falls creek one year just um yeah <laughs> he did he cleaned us up <laughs> people were just on uh, rations for the rest of the uh, altitude training camp after that one <laughs> yep um, oh, it is well, a good chat though um i really enjoyed it so um yeah i think matt you'll 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 have you had a listen to it yet no not yet not yet i'm saving this one for yeah. um the next long run so yeah well, uh, let's get to it got an interesting guest with us this week on the Better With Running podcast, and I've got one of my training partners, Frankie Conway. You personally have been a um, you know a training partner of mine, a club mate, and, and now one of my great mates. Um, I think we met we met through this sport, and we're connected through just both being runners. So um, thanks, Frankie, for your time. Oh, mate, yeah, thanks. means a lot to hear you say that. And it's the same for my side, man. It's uh, great to be 
considered to be the one of the early guys to speak on the podcast. It, I love Run to PB, everything it stands for. I uh, love what you guys are doing. And yeah, looking forward to chatting today. Sure. Right. Yeah, no, thank you, Frankie. Um, I thought I'd give the, the listeners a bit of context and a bit about you. Um, we'll, we'll dig in deeper, but um, you can obviously hear the English accent. Um, Frankie Hales from the UK. Um, and has since moved over to Australia um, in, I think, 2015. You'll correct me in a minute. But um, working, studying here, and now, now he's a regular fixture on the Australian club running scene um, in the Melbourne Uni kit. Uh, his PBs, he's got some range. He's run 56 seconds for a 400, uh, 159 over the eight, 355 for 1500. I think that's right, a 417 mile. Uh, a 3K in 8.31, this is on the track, a 5K for 14.32 and a 10K 30.26. Um, also, I noticed on there there's a pole vault um, in my in my research. I saw you've done a, a metre, so maybe it's, it's probably a good thing you stuffed the running. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. uh, and just to round it out, on the road, you've run 30, 36 and 67, uh, 67, 24 over the half. And that was just maybe a second half. Um, but, yeah, some impressive PBs, some great range. Um, just looking at that list, Frankie, what, what's probably your most cherished in there? I'd say the 10Ks. Zeka, uh, the one on the road at Gold Coast, the 30-36, because before that run, which was in 2018, I'd struggled to run under 31 for the 10K on the road when I'd been able to do it on the track. So to get that one a bit nearer my track, 10,000 metre PB, was really special for me. Yeah, because you've, you've run a few... I've seen the results you've done over the 10K on the track and very consistent across the board um and then yeah to translate that onto the road uh, and the gold coast that was a pretty deep field um uh, from memory i'm trying to remember where did you finish in that race do you recall i think i was 10th yep so yeah that's that's always a um it's always a strong field and um yeah it's always a good weekend away up the gold coast yeah absolutely i remember we uh shared a apartment in that one that was a good weekend um and a beautiful part of the world. I love the Gold Coast. So it was a great memory. Yeah, and obviously with what's going on, and how, how's, um, you know, we'll, we'll dig into a bit more about um, maybe how you got into running, but just, just off the bat, um, with what's going on globally, um, obviously there's a lot of um, restrictions. Obviously we talk about Gold Coast that that's, you know, pushed back or postponed, not sure what they're going to do with that, but, how are you going running-wise with, with what's going on? Yeah, I've found running a great outlet since the lockdown has come in and we've been restricted to what we can do. Getting out early morning has been a great way to start my day. It's gotten mm. me feeling a lot more purposeful, more energy, and set me off on a good train of thought for the day ahead. And it's also given me a chance to look at how I train, so the approach that I take, I, obviously, I'm not training with anyone at the moment, so I can really go and feel and tailor it to how I like running, which is, at the moment, just going easy on the long runs and 
try not to be too aggressive in sessions, but at the same time, staying sharp and building that base. So I've enjoyed looking at the strategy and also focusing on recovery and yeah. feeling the benefits of that as well. For sure. I mean, it's, it's, it's new ground for everyone, you know, as a coach, as an athlete, it's, you know, you really, um, yeah, we're all, we're all learning on the fly. We're all, we're kind of trying to adapt to the situation and, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting to hear how you're, you're taking it on. And I think that purpose, you know, having that structure in place and as we know, running, um, you know, gives us an outlet. And in these times, I think, um, it's yeah, it's good to get out the door and get away from the news and feel like you know things are normal again. One hundred percent. It is that thing that gives us that sense of familiarity, the thing that we've always done as athletes since whenever we started running, which for most of us would have probably been at a young age. So it gives us that anchor in what we've always done and connects us to something. So like you said, it's good to keep doing it in this uncertain time. Mm. So yeah, that's a good segue into where you got into the sport. You know, running, um, for many, it's, you know, it's, they all kind of land from different areas. You know, often some people run from school, some some didn't run, and then they found it later on. How about you? Where did you start your running? Would have been in primary school. So I should imagine I'd have been maybe eight, seven, eight years old and, my sisters have got two older sisters and they were both running at that time. And one of them in particular was quite talented early on. And she actually went to two English schools finals and was a really good athlete. This was in 1500 meters. So I was, I fell into it through her leading the way and really enjoyed it. Did a couple of early races at primary school, cross country mainly, mm-hmm. plus the sports days on the track, and then continued it into my secondary school journey and onwards after that as well. So in the, it, this is all in um, in the UK. Is school yes. was school cross country? Was it a compulsory thing? Did is that how you kind of ended up doing the cross country? Yes, it was. Certainly strongly encouraged. Mm-hmm. I seem to remember athletics was compulsory. Yeah. And within that, everyone would have had an op- opportunity to try running to see if it was something they enjoyed. And I remember always feeling that when I was doing athletics, I felt very in the present. I really enjoyed the challenge. I quite Although the element of hurting myself was was tough, like it, I remember being nervous a lot before races as a, a younger athlete. I think that something got me going and really motivated me, despite the daunting challenge of, of putting yourself into a race. And I think that feeling attached to it was something that kept me coming back for more and wanting to improve and it was the one sport I did that I think meant the most to me. Mm. So did you play football? I mean, we, we call it soccer here in Australia, but uh, football or were there other, were there team sports or was it always, always just an individual um, running and, and those sort of sports? So at secondary school, I seem to remember in the winter, it was mainly soccer, like you said. 
and also the cross country was a big thing. Mm -hmm. Summer transitioned more to cricket and athletics on the track. And I, I had a go at all of those sports. And I remember at secondary school, I played a bit of badminton, a bit of table tennis as well. Okay. Enjoyed soccer. Yeah. Okay. It was always quite small. Mm -hmm. So although I, I, I love soccer, I love playing it, but I, I felt like my physicality didn't necessarily um, match up when I was growing up um, year seven, eight and nine. So I think running was <laughs> the the best option for me there. Yeah, that seems to be a pretty common theme as, as we talk to runners. It's, um, yeah, the intensity, you could run all day on a field, but um, yeah, once you start getting knocked around a little bit, it uh, makes it a bit harder to keep running. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's great. Um, so I'm, I'm sensing you, you ended up, um, you know, as a, you ended up in the club system over there. Did, did that, um, did someone, how did you get involved with that? So again, my family led the way quite a bit on this. So my sister got spotted at her secondary school or primary school, even like fairly early and was encouraged to join one of the local running clubs called Orion Harriers, which was based in the London borough that I grew up, which was uh, called Waltham Forest. Mm -hmm. So I started going along to the training at Orion Harriers, maybe from the age of about nine or 10. And was lucky enough to make some good friends at the club and also work alongside some great coaches that showed me the early ways to train and race tactics. And mm. I started running in races for Orion, mainly in cross country, but also on the track as well. That was the the starting point. Yeah, I mean, as an under 20, you went into, you know, eights and 15s. So was, there was a, a moment there in 2010 where you, I think you had four, two, it couldn't crack two minutes, but there was four races where you would bang on two minutes, which at the time I'm sure was pretty, um, pretty frustrating. Um, and then your 15 got down to a 404 as an under 20, which um, obviously showed some um, some talent across the 15 and the 8. Yeah, it's funny because that was my focus up until before leaving the UK to come to Australia. It was the 800 and the 1500. I was my coach at the time, a guy called Clive Ridley. He was very keen to make sure I didn't transition up the distances too early in my development. So. Yeah. I focused a lot on the 8 and the 15, and I was really happy with that 404. I found it so tough to get it under four minutes, and I remember doing it for the first time at Box Hill in 2016, that January Vic Milis Club, and that was a huge moment for me when I got under that four minutes for the first time. Yeah. And with that 159 you mentioned at the beginning as well, that was awesome to get under the two-minute barrier as well. Yeah, and that that sort of the the fifteen hundreds. Did you start to think that um, at some point I'm going to be better over the longer distance? I'm more comfortable, or I, I tend to enjoy the training, uh, or was it or was it just a natural progression towards the longer stuff? I think it was a natural progression, and I think one of um, the big things for me with that was training with Craig, uh, joining. Craig's set up, I think I started running a bit more. So I was running every day. 
I started to increase the mileage, the volumes of the interval sessions was a bit longer, mm-hmm. where maybe I'd only been doing 5K worth of volume in an interval session in the UK. It went up to about 8K here in Australia. And I think as the mileage kicked in, like you said, I realized naturally that I was probably better suited to 5K upwards. Mm. So let's go there. So you ended up 2015... Was it 2015 you arrived in a... In... Yes. Okay. And and how did that become? Like, how did that come about? You... I remember, I, I, I can recall meeting you um, at, a, at a, one of Craig's, Craig Mottram's training group sessions. But um, yeah, how, how did you end up in Australia? So I did a course, uh, Teach English as a Foreign Language course in the UK, in sort of middle of 2015. So I knew that I really wanted to travel and this teaching English option, I saw it as a great, great idea for me to to do that. And one of the colleagues that I had in 2015 had done the same thing. He'd worked in Australia teaching English. He told me he'd had a great experience. So I thought, give Melbourne a go. I love the sport globally that Melbourne offers, Mm -hmm. the tennis, Australian Open, MCG test match. So I thought Melbourne would be a great place for me. And when I arrived and, like you said, met yourself, met Craig, generally felt at home in Melbourne, loved the environment here, was lucky enough to get work pretty early. I found it was a really good match for my personality and also the facilities of the city, what it has, was was great for me. How did you end up with that group? I'm trying to recall... um how that all came about. Did you meet some runners um, around? I, mean, I know Melbourne, uh, the, you know, the iconic tan, um, a lot of people run around there, but to actually get into the, and, and you know, into the club system and into the, the training groups, um, it's, you know, it probably takes, um, you know, connecting with some people. And, and how did that all start? So I guess it started back in twenty. 20- 14, when I was working for a website called europeanmarathons.com mm-hmm. and at that time I did an interview with Ben Moreau who is a British marathon yeah, runner yeah. and he was living in Sydney at the time Gotcha. so I, I hooked up with him back in 2014, did the interview and then when I arrived in Melbourne I sent him an email um, asking him hey, are there any running groups you know in Melbourne? And he put me in touch with Martin Mashford, who Mm. is a good friend of mine and yours, Zaka. And Martin directed me to Melbourne Uni. He said, Melbourne Uni's a great club. I run for them. Got good banter, good (laughs) group of characters. And he also put me in touch with Craig because Martin was training with Craig at the time. And then I had a coffee with Craig and went along to some of the early sessions and I think really enjoyed it. And started training with Craig, and that set things in motion. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that's a must admit, it's a big decision to move to another country. Um, you know, at, at a younger age, and, and and obviously traveling, and then you know having to find your way in a new city. And I can, re- you know, I can recall when um, obviously with the way the visa works here, you have to do um, I think a certain amount of months um, doing some farm work. And you took that on. Um, 
I mean, I guess running that had a big um, role in getting yourself settled here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, massively. Yeah. So, like the you know the experiences with having to go off and and do that stint of um, fruit picking and and how did that um, how did that sort of impact your running? Did that? Yeah. Talk us through that. Well, like you said, Zaku, it's a requirement of the working holiday visa. If you want to extend for the second year, um, you have to do three months of regional work within your first working holiday visa year. So towards the end of my first year, I went off to Shepparton in April of 2016, and it came at the end of the track season here in Australia. So I thought... It was a good time to do it because it was naturally people were sort of on their downtime with with the training in between the winter and summer season. But I was still keen to keep the training up. And Craig reinforced that message. He said, thank you. When you're out there, try and keep up your training because you built some good momentum over the summer. So I had had Craig sort of giving me a lot of encouragement at that time. And like you said, the running throughout my time in Melbourne has given my life a lot of meaning and definition. So for me, it was important at that time to do it when I was working on the farm mm. and it was hard. So after the day of fruit picking on the orchard, I remember feeling really heavy on the long runs, physically drained. But as I got used to it, I think it became a nice release at the end of the day on the farm, just as the sun was setting before the, the night came, I'd get out and run. And after that, just connect with the other backpackers and have dinner together. It was, it was a really good experience. It was difficult at the beginning, but one of the most memorable parts of my time here in Australia. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, that's, that's impressive that you were able to sustain the training, keep it up, keep the focus and, and obviously in a you know, completely different uh, environment with manual labour on top of that. It's, um, yeah, it's a testament to your uh, dedication. Keep that up. Hey, um, I, I saw in like, so 2015, but when you went over, you had a, you, you did run your first Steigen. You, was that your first 10K on the track? Yes. Yeah, and a 32.30 or 32.31, that would have been a, PB at the time. So this is 2015. You you'd obviously started to move towards the longer longer uh, events. There was a few 5Ks in there. That um, Steigen, you've done that a few years now. How was that first experience on the track? Oh, that was a brutal experience. I remember it, it was a 40 degree day, and mm. we went up. I think you lifted me up there, Zacha, and. Obviously, at the time the race started, it would have been eight, nine o'clock. The temperature would have dropped, but it was still a hot day. And I remember very early in that race feeling pretty drained and fatigued. And it became a bit of a slugfest to try and get through it. And it was a tough race. I remember the sprinklers were on on the back straight. The guys were spraying us <laughs> with a hose just to keep us cool. And that, yeah. that just showed how much of a challenging the challenging conditions that we had that day but yeah I got through that race and it wasn't my best one in terms of how it went or the, the feeling I had when I was doing it but that event itself Steigen is probably my favorite race of the calendar and like you said Zachary I've done it 
few times, 2016, I think 2017 and 2019. So four times in total. And mm. the other three times I did it was some, one of my better runs that I've had. And just the, the atmosphere of that event, the way Brett puts it on, the commentary, it's got a real sort of good atmosphere, closeness to the crowd that get quite active and engaged in the event. And good field, nice to get out to Geelong, change the scenery a bit. I really like that event. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing for you. you. You're coming over into that, you know, it was talked about a different environment and then a different running environment that's over here. So um, you were you obviously snapped up pretty quickly for, uh, for Melbourne Uni as a, as a prize recruit um, <laughs> through, through Mashford's uh, recruiting skills. And um, you, you were obviously part of a, a pretty strong team um, over the cross country and the road in the, the Athletics Victoria um, season or calendar. Um, but, you know, you're adapting to also the heat here, the different conditions, and also, I mean, our cross country, like, it's probably, you know, when I see photos in the UK of some of those races, you know, we don't even, it's pals in comparison in terms of mud and, you know, there's one or two courses that have a bit of, um, bit of, mud in it but how have you how did you find that change into the Australian club running system I really enjoyed it and I really love the XCR calendar and the slightly different setup compared to the UK I find the variety of the races is fantastic like going from the 3.8k loop of the tan the relay up until the half marathon at Burnley and the relay theme is is really cool as well. And it gets that team spirit and that lighthearted element to it as well. It's serious, but also there's good camaraderie, I think, within each team and some good banter between the teams as well. And I really found that that's a good symbolism of how close the Melbourne running community is. I feel that there's lots of groups and... People tend to know, you tend to know everyone that's on the circuit. There's, everyone mm. says hello, checks in with people, how's your training going? And it's a very friendly scene, I find, in the, the running community. So that was amazing. Um, so I've really loved the XCR. Like you said, it's very different to the UK. The weather is a big factor. And I actually went home at Christmas to the UK and it struck home how tough and cold and sort of grim it is in the UK at times over Christmas. And I did a cross-country race there in January, and it did feel almost like a different sport at times, like a real grafting, sort of tough, hard event. And in Australia, it, it can feel more like you you can enjoy the training, but in the UK, it's sometimes like, just get it done, get indoors, because yeah. <laughs> you're so cold. It's, it's a different feeling. Yeah, I, I know with um, in Melbourne Uni, um, we actually, you know, there was, there was a sweet spot there as, as in 2016, you had the likes of yourself, Nick Earl, um, Marty Mashford, so, you know, there was, yeah, we were, we were probably as a, as a team copying some, um, a few, a few jives about <laughs> us being half, uh, half English, you know, um, and also Andy Buchanan at the time, um, you know, he's a, he's a run to PB coach, but also, um, he's gone on to run 62, 50 over the half and make a couple of teams. Um, 
you're you're amongst a, a really strong group of guys, you know, group of runners, and um, you know that that must have been fun to um to go along that journey. Yeah, it was brilliant, and the names you mentioned in that era, the twenty sixteen year, I think that was the high point for Melbourne Uni as a club. Like you said, Andy was in there. And then in the latter part of that season, I think we won four rounds of the XCR in succession, starting from Albert Park, then the Eckerdon, mm. then Burnley and finishing off at the Tan. And it wasn't quite enough to claw Box Hill down. <laughs> they always seemed that little bit ahead of the game. But still, it was a real high point And it was great being a part of that success. And I remember, me personally, I was feeling really strong with my running at that time. I'd just finished the farm work and I was really enjoying the freedom of being back in Melbourne again. And I think Martin was also flying at that point. You yourself, Zaka, won the Burnley half in that year. So it was it was a really special time. And I think I did love the Melbourne Uni set up at that, in that particular year, probably was the highlight. Mm. Yeah, I know the... Um... The training groups and the camaraderie we had—it was, um, yeah, it was it was so strong and it obviously translated because you had you had some big moments in in 2017. You know, as you mentioned, probably coming off the farm work, um, going through um, those challenges and, and coming off the other side, um, obviously a stronger, probably a stronger person maybe, or definitely as in, in terms of your running. Um, you, you really went from strength to strength because if you look at your 2017, there were some, some big PVs. Um, you mentioned earlier about that Box Hill Classic where you ran um, 8.31 over the 3K um, and then sliced um, time off your 5K running a 14.32 at the state championships. Um, big, big moments on the track. How did they unfold for you? Yeah, they, thinking back to that year, 2017, it was, it was definitely a consolidation year. And I remember the 2016 was a, was a real high point. And I seem to remember that Christmas of 2016, I just picked up a little niggle and also maybe Coming off the back of the high of Steigen in 2016, I found it quite tough to finish off that year and, and sustain the intensity of the track season. Like I was, that was a challenge for me. So that 8.31 at Box Hill, I was I was really pleased with it at the time. Um, and then that winter, getting another winter under my belt was was great. And... I remember there was a trip back to the UK in August of 2017 and that helped sort of refresh me and I came back again to do the 1432, which was still my PB in the 5K and then that epic Steigen race we both did in the December, yeah. which was my 10K PB. So I so think... I was going to touch on that because you had, I mean, your, your consistency over the 10K in September of 17, you ran 30-38 and then... 30.26 at the Steigen, um, which was in December. So two, ten, two big 10Ks, one in um, Catford in, in the UK, the Ladywell 10,000. Mm. Third in that race? Yes. And then Steigen, in, you know, your PB in, in 
Yeah, absolutely. I think the 10,000 meters is definitely an event that I love. It's, I enjoy the 25 lap challenge. You can break it down K by K and slot into a rhythm, get your splits. And I think it's probably an event that suits me in terms of my, my physicality and the type of runner that I am. I think the, the 10,000 is definitely more my event than probably the 3K and events like shorter. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that was definitely two good memories, those two races. So it was a real golden period. I mean, you went from 15, a mid-15 guy to 14, 30, mid 14s, 5K. Uh, and then a 32-30 guy into a 30-26 over the 10. What do you reckon? I mean, you, you obviously had a good group and all the rest, but you were training hard. Like, was it was there something you were doing that was different? That that you know, mentally were were you racing um, better, or was it an overall thing? Like, can you pin pin down a couple of things that made those changes? I think. Consistency was a huge one. So having a 12-month calendar that was well-structured and had a clear focus depending on the time of the year and the event I wanted to peak for, that was really important. And the training group with Craig was something that helped so much. Training with the likes of yourself and uh, Riley, uh, Julian, Martin, having Al, Craig's... uh, Craig's assistant there as well alongside and there was a lot of positive characters around that group and I felt that that brought me forward and just the having the simplicity in my own head of running and having that as one of my main priorities in my life was also important because I feel that that's a feature of living away from maybe home and being at your own person in another country, you can really focus on the things that are important to you. And I think having that freedom to be who I wanted to be was also a factor in, in just giving me the, the space to, to do what I needed to do. Um, so I think, man, it's a combination of the training, the group, being consistent and adding more miles and gradually letting that come out. Yeah. And, and- Look, it's probably a good lesson in there and in terms of that uh, cumulative effect of training and, and sticking at it. Like, you know, you, if you look at where you've come from, even it's, yeah, running um, into the longer distances, you know, obviously starting in the 15s, at, you know, back in 08, you know, that's 12 years ago now. Um, and then and working your way through the fit, you know, through the distances, Um you've stuck at it, you've kept consistent. There hasn't been a much of a drop-off, you know. It seems to be really consistent that you've been showing up. Um, there was a drop in 2018, though. Like, you – I remember, you know, the, there was um, – the first half of the year, it's, it's, it's almost like if you look at the results, there, um, there was a drop-off. I know – at the time, you you probably went off and, and had a bit of a break. But what was behind that? Yeah, so 2018, the first three quarters of that year even, was probably my best year as an athlete. Like I had a 
one of my uh, best memories was the 412 mile I ran in February um, at the Melbourne Uni Mile Championship. And then there was a race at Burnley that you mentioned, Zacha, in the, the beginning. Mm. And I felt, and the Gold Coast PB was in there. And 2018, things seemed to be going really well. Um, and then after the Melbourne Uni, so the Melbourne Marathon 10K in October, I remember in and around that race, just feeling a bit of physical fatigue and body wasn't quite uh, flowing as well as it had been. And maybe I wasn't enjoying running as much as I had been as well. And I felt perhaps the stress of work and study and everything was just getting on top of me a little bit. And I think it was just something inside was telling me that something had to give. And after the 10K Melbourne Marathon event, I mentioned, I just was getting out on little runs, but found myself feeling tired after 20 minutes and just calling it and just get going off and doing other things with friends and played a bit of football and enjoyed yeah. life outside of running. And that became a bit of a, routine for three four months there um mm. so i did kind of check out of running i guess around that four months october 2018 to the feb 2019 did did you think you were done did you think you were going to come back or was there a, a good chance that you thought maybe it's just easier to jog around when i feel like it and you know because it's a tough sport to keep pounding out the weeks um, at your level. Um, was there any point where you thought, well, maybe that, you know, and, and you know, that 2018 was, it was a mis it was a mishmash of a year because you'd, you'd run 67, you'd done your a PB over the half. Uh, and then it sort of, you know, it sort of really spiralled a little bit after that 10K. And um, yeah, was, was there thoughts that you might hang, you know, potentially hang the boots up? It was a bit of a confusing time, I guess, Zacho. I was figuring a lot of things out and I think disconnecting from running. So I I didn't really know exactly what the future was going to hold for me. I, I think at that time I, I was socialising a little bit more and enjoying my my time with my friends, I went on a few sort of road trips and I remember running was, was almost a, a distant memory for me. So it, I'd really sort of grown apart from running. And I think deep down, I realized that maybe I needed to, to have that moment. And it was actually some texts and some messages that you sent me, Zaka, that sort of, pulled me back into who I was in a way and, and made me remember again about my identity and how important running is for me. And the fact that you were sort of sending me these messages made me realize, you know, maybe I need to kind of at least reconnect a little bit here. And I think we, yeah, obviously we wanted to get you back into the, you know, the group. I miss you as a training partner personally. And, and also, you know, the, the groups we have around the tan and that, people we do in the long run and you were a part of that um fabric and yeah it was you know it was obviously it's it's when you see someone who's got talent and that um contributes to the sport puts you in and then 
kind of goes away. I mean, and, and we all do it, you know. I've done it before and we all move away and, and have some time time out. But, um, yeah, so I was kind of <laughs> throwing out a few um, a few baits to try and get you back down and I'm glad you, you ended up um, coming back and, and rolling around. It's, it's right, Zaka, because I think something that was beginning to dawn on me, like as the hiatus, let's say, away from running sort of became a little longer, I started feeling like my life was lacking a bit of purpose, a bit of direction. It felt a little bit sort of aimless at times. So I, I, I th- thought, yeah, I needed to reconnect with, something that's always grounded me in a sense of routine and structure and the running has always been that so once I did get back down and on the runs initially with yourself um, Chris O, Chris O'Neill, Dave Ridley, Josh Maisie, we formed a little crew, Dave P as well and I felt that the banter and, and just getting back and enjoying the social without any pressure was a great first step. And I remember doing half sessions with you around March of last year and feeling like that helped just mm. week on week. I could see a little bit of improvement each, each session and yeah, just getting my routine back going again. That was important. Yeah. I, I think as um, you know, a running community, a lot of, a lot of listeners are probably, you know, they've, unfortunately, you know, they may um, just by circumstances not be in a position where they've got groups or access to groups or they do a lot of solo running and there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But when you get in a group where you've, you've got like-minded people and it all works in terms of times and you can all get to a certain spot and, and do sessions together, it does, um, it, it, you know, it really does help. Um keep you going and getting out outdoor and, you know, having the banter and having a, a bit of a more of a, you know, a group element. Um, it's definitely fun. Um, and yeah, and, and you turned it around in 2019 because if you look at um, your comeback, let's call it, or it's a mini comeback, um, you committed to, you didn't race as much, but when you did race, you actually, um, yeah, you put it on show and, um, it must have been good to get back on the track and do that that Vic 5K, um, 1437. It was, from memory, tough conditions. Um, trying to think back to the night. You, you can fill me in. But, um, yeah, to, to get back into that 1430 range must have been exciting. Yeah, definitely. So it was a... It was actually a beautiful night. It was conditions. <laughs> oh, we'll cut that out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm confusing it with that one. Sorry, I am confused. The three K. The three K. Yeah, yeah, at um, Glen Utley. That was the where people were dodging puddles and whatever. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> but you're right, Zachary. And I think 2019, just generally, I'll come on to the five K in a second. But I think that for me was. I took a lot of pride and more, a bit more ownership, I think, of of my running and what I was achieving. I think maybe before the break, I was um, sort of kind of caught up in the, I guess, looking at the things that maybe weren't going as well with my running. That I, I maybe lost sight of of the good things that were happening as with with my progression. And I think in 2019, I was a lot more absorbent of of how I was doing, the progress, and taken a lot more personal pride in what I was doing. And I think 
leading into that 5K, a couple of performances that I was really happy with was the Run Melbourne 10 when I came second and the Burnley half when I got a PB as well yeah. in that one. Um, but the, like you said, Zaka, that 5,000 in um, Box Hill was, was also a, a really important night for me because it, it sort of showed that I'd come back round to where I was before my break from the sport and that, you know, it had been possible to to get back to that point. And it made me appreciate the work that I'd put in. And, mm. yeah, it was a nice moment. And and we've chatted about this before and it's all, it is all relevant, you know. Like, we, we as runners, we often, we all get caught up in, what other people, what the top guys are doing or what other people are doing and the times and people get caught up in Strava segments and PBs and this. But, you know, it's it's everyone's running their own race, you know, and as cliche as that is. But um, it's what you've, your journey and where you are at and in terms of getting your personal best and, you know, you know um, where you've had to come from to get back. So, yeah, I think, Seeing you do that, I know personally being a training partner, and that's that's what's you know great having training partners in this sport is you you get to see all the hard work. Like you know, if you look at a result on a page and you say, okay, Frankie ran fourteen thirty seven, okay, that's a good run, but you don't actually appreciate what went into that comeback or what went into that performance. And then you went on to Steigen, and um, again thirty twenty eight. Nearly got that PB in, and you know that was an epic race. Um, I was there. I remember seeing you with about eight, six laps to go, and I thought you're in a bit of strife here. Yeah. Um, how did you get out of that hole? It's funny, Zach. I remember that race really well, um, and I didn't feel very positive through that run. Actually, I. I, I I remember feeling halfway through like I could step off the track, like I'd gone through halfway feeling on PB pace. I was probably on 30-minute pace at that point. And I, I remember thinking, geez, this could unravel, just stick in here, like lap on lap, just get it done, let your body do the talking, don't just stay in the race, basically. Don't don't quit. That was mm. all I was telling myself that second half, Um it was a different feeling that Steigen. I seem to remember the previous Steigens had had a little bit more energy and atmosphere. So I found that that one was, it just felt a little bit of a darker kind of feeling. I think maybe the lights weren't as bright. I, I don't know. It was, <laughs> it was just my perspective of how it was going. My, yeah. My well, there was... But- that was the yeah. year. That was the first year of the Steigen One, which they had the teams event. There was a lot of focus yeah. around that. So maybe traditionally that Steigen Ten K, it's it's all about the Ten K, and they did um, to their credit Steigen. They put on an amazing event. Um, the Ten K oh, yeah. was probably a bit secondary in that, even though the, the performances were huge in that race. Um, mm. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one. Um, yeah. It, yeah, so that ten k on the track, and you know, it's it's when you're hanging on. Like even when you mentioned earlier that you were at thirty minute pace, was that at all scared? Like you know, when you're going out at that's you know, you're going out for a PB or you're going well under your PBs. Does that scare you at all? Like how do you take that on? Yeah, it it's 
unknown territory. And I think this is something that I will look at in the future to try and improve because I feel that I've hit that sort of 30, 30, 30, 20 sort of range a few times. And it's the same with the five. It's like 40, 30 around that area. And for me, that challenge the last two, three years has been taking the next step and getting beyond it. And I think you're right, because often I've been on PB pace, maybe sort of halfway through or two thirds of the way through and just found myself flagging a little, still holding on for a good time that I'm happy with, but maybe struggling to just see it through. But that's part of what motivates me in training to just realize that there's no shortcut. There's no quick sort of jump. It's it is this accumulation that's going to get me there. And I think that is something I enjoy about running. It's that it's not just a, a quick procession to where you want to be. You need to sort of keep turning up and, and going through the process. And yeah, I'd like to get that 10K to 30 minutes. That would be a, a big thing for me. But I'm patient, realize just got to keep doing the things that I'm doing and tweak it here and there. For sure. I mean, and I think um, something you mentioned about, you know, how this sport, um, what you need to do to achieve. I mean, I know you're a big sports fan. You're a massive, uh, I've, I've been on a few long runs where you've, where a good part of, um, you know, 30 minutes of Andy, Andy Murray has been um, spoken out. But I know you, 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 you love your tennis, you love um, darts and rugby. It, you know, you really get behind sport. And, like, what is it about that sport element that, that draws you in? I mean, are you, you, you love the competitive nature, I'm guessing. Is that, is that where it, it um, stems from? Yeah, I think... It stems a lot from my family. Like my mum and dad love their sport. Uh, my dad was a really good footballer, soccer player when he was at university, represented England in university soccer. And my mum as well, she's a huge football fan. She loves Manchester City. And, you know, growing up around my mum and dad and their family, sport was always talked about. It was always on the television. It was, it was kind of a big thing. So I think I fell into it largely from my family influence and it's something that's always stuck with me because I think what I really enjoy about sports people is is seeing the honesty of their work and the exposure and the pressure that they have to endure and often it's quite a critical and very sort of stark existence where they're in the spotlight and they have to sort of conduct themselves in the right way, say the right things, project an image. And I just have a lot of respect for how sports people have to operate in this world that we live in. And I think that the role sports people play in giving hope to people and being that light people can look to in a time that to sort of elevate their own selves, maybe people look to sport as their escape in life and I think yeah. it can be that vehicle to change lives and get people on the right track so I think something in its core has always hit my core in a way that connects me with it mm. and and probably right now where it's, it's challenging because there isn't any <laughs> there isn't any organized sport you know it's um 
I'm seeing it now. I'm seeing more people out running. I'm seeing people getting involved in at least moving and getting out into the sport of running. And and maybe as I as I look on as maybe a biased uh, running fan, I kind of hope that maybe there's going to be an appreciation for running and runners, you know, even at the, the top end. Because would you agree that there's maybe not a level of the respect that you guys like? I mean, Kipchoge's got it now off the back of what he's done, but other athletes who have achieved a lot of things um, on the track and in marathons, do you think, can you see that um, maybe coming to light a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. Because I think running, it's always been seen as, as quite a kind of amateur sport and there's not been as much money or funding or maybe material recognition for the incredible athletes that that they are runners specifically here like the, we see it day to day Zaka in, in the people we train with and ourselves trying to train as hard as we can that it is tough sport and you've got to keep just putting in honest labor and I think yeah. something you said to me recently is that since the coronavirus lockdown more people have been getting out the door and running and thinking that that is a great tribute to what we do, the fact people are turning to running at this time as a escape, as a connection to something. So hopefully in light of when things return to what we see as more normal, it would be great if, if running had that maybe a bit more front and centre stage in the world of sport. Yeah. yeah, it's always fighting for a headline. So it's always challenging to get it on the get it in the papers, get it in the media. Um, but yeah, we, we you know we, we can definitely because you've done some work. Um, you mentioned earlier about working for a website in um, covering marathons. Like just on that, have you got a marathoner that you um, that's that's your male or female that that's your that you really look up to and admire? Yeah, I think first one that sp- sprang to my mind there was Liam Adams. Because mm. um, I, I see Liam Adams as a real people's champion in Australian athletics. I think a lot of people on the running circuit in Melbourne, especially, would look to Liam as the the shining light and that gold standard example of commitment, of mm. honest work, of just pushing his body to the limit, um, doing things that a lot of people probably aren't willing to do or perhaps perhaps aren't able to do necessarily. Yeah, but yeah. I think Liam's commitment and his tenacity is unbelievable. And I, I remember a good example of that is 2016 when he just missed the marathon time. I, I can't remember. It might have been at London or, or a race. Beaver, I think, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. And then... Five weeks later, he, he went to Poland, I believe, and, and ran the, the time he needed, just yeah. a quick turnaround to get to the Olympic Games. And I thought that was a, one of the most phenomenal feats of running that I'd ever seen. And I don't know Liam. I've, I've, I've hardly spoken to him before, but he's a guy that I respect enormously. And I think a lot of people in the running scene would, would agree with that. Um, I think on the female side, I would say Jess Trengrove is an unbelievable example as well for someone who 
is just such a cool head and a very measured performer mm. in, in championship races time and again. believe she's got two Commonwealth Games medals and I think that says something for her her mentality, her work rate, her ability to peak for the big races. And I really like Jess. I've, we've, we both know her from training with her at Team Mottram. So yeah. I'd probably say those two athletes, Zeka. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's obviously interesting times heading into 2021 with how that's all going to unfold with the marathon. Um, so, yeah, it'll be a watch this space for, for all those athletes. I, yeah. I, don't, I want to change gears a little bit because we've had a really good chat about where you've been as a runner, how you've got there, the journey and, and, and what you've done. But, um, and I know we just talked about a couple of your, I guess, um, people you admire and you, I guess, fanboy about. Um, as a hypothetical, and, and we ask this on the podcast, we ask a few hypotheticals. Um, okay, if, if you could pick four people to go for a long run, and it could be anywhere in the world, who would they be and where would you take them? Okay. So is this, you're talking about people that run, runners or anyone? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'd say runners. Like yeah. <laughs> if, if you think someone like uh, one of your, <laughs> your, <laughs> your favourite favorite darts players can, can, yeah. can last a 90-minute run, then, uh, yeah, put them in. But, um, yeah. I'd go with probably runners, but up to you. Okay. Yeah, no, no, I, I think you're right. So let's think about this. Okay, first one that comes to mind would be Dave Ridley. Um, yep. And the location would be the Bay Trail. Um, oh, yeah. Starting at Albert Park, because you and I obviously run a lot with Dave, and I'm a good friend of Dave. I really like Dave Ridley, I find him quite entertaining, sort of light-hearted character. Yeah. And obviously he, he and he's also similar to Liam, very engaging and uh, hardworking with his look, outlook on running. And I find it inspiring to hear his, his views and his thoughts on running. So I'd probably go with Dave Ridley along the Bay Trail. Um, okay. Uh, second one... Or you can you can form it as a three as a pack of three and then take them anywhere you want as well. <laughs> okay, so let I'm gonna stick with the theme that we've been with. So I would go with yourself, Zaka, as well. Yeah. Okay. I would go <laughs> with Josh Maisie, mm-hmm. and I would also go with Chris O'Neill. And, and together with um, Dave Ridley. Nice one. Uh, the, and the four, it would have to be the tan, actually, Zeka, because it, as much as it's the cliche and we spend <laughs> so much time there and it's the done thing, it's not a very imaginative choice. <laughs> <laughs> but I just find that the, the banter that we had, that particular group of guys, because I've got a a strong affinity with, with that combination because you four guys were the people that I was running with during my early comeback in 2019 and just enjoying the banter and enjoying that fun chat, you know, ripping into Ridders about his idiosyncrasies and <laughs> listening to Josh Maisie's stories of his training sessions. And yeah, 
famous anecdote that we both know where Chris O'Neill <laughs> trained with Dave Ridley at Albert Park and he hasn't been the same guy since because it was such a tough session that, yeah. that Chris O struggled to recover. So, But just funny little moments that we can share with those guys like that um, would have to be the, the location where I'd do it. Um, yeah, so I'll go nice with that. One. Yeah, I think that would be... Uh... Yeah, and, and in the current situation, yeah, that, that feels like a, 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 a long time ago since we've all done that um, long run together. But it'll happen. It'll Things will fire up again. And um, I think we'll all probably appreciate We're all growing with that appreciation for running um, now that we're doing it solo. And now, um, yeah, obviously that group run effect will um, we'll all cherish when we're, we're back uh, doing it. But, yeah, what... Oh, Look, I won't take any more time up with you, Frankie, because, um, you know, I think you've been really generous with your time. Um, it's been really good to chat. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, Daka, thanks so much. Thanks for having me on. I've loved chatting with you, reflecting on the journey. And let's hope there's many more good times ahead for us both and everyone. Thanks, Frankie. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Better With Running podcast. As we mentioned on the show last week, some merchandise has arrived uh, on our website. So you can jump in over on runtopb.co slash shop. Um, yeah, you can get involved in the pre-order for some long sleeve tees. We've got our fractal collab caps on there. So yeah, it's quite a few orders that are already coming with, with people taking advantage of that pre-order offer. And also... Last night, our live event, uh, Parenthood in Progress, which featured two-time Olympian Jess Stenson, run to bb coach Brady Throffel, and uh, run to bb athlete Lauren Dust. They um, they caught up over a, a live stream, and yeah, if you missed that, you can jump on our YouTube channel and check out that uh, the replay. Some great insights into parenting, the juggling act of running, and as a mum uh, slash dad. So yeah, really. Really good viewing and some good insights for you. Thanks again also for uh, the support we're receiving. Uh, just keep the questions and requests for topics coming through via our socials. That's uh, really, it's always great to get your feedback. But yeah, for now, that's enough from me and uh, yeah, enjoy the rest of the run.